Hello, and thank you for joining us for our Watershed Sermon Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community within Harderwijk Ministries. We gather at 9.45 a.m. in the Anchor Building on the Harderwijk campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Watershed community and Harderwijk Ministries, please visit harderwijk.com. In this series of our Believe series, uh, if you haven't been around, I'm just going to catch you up. If you have, again, go to catch you up. Um, But this 10-week series, we are talking about spiritual practices, Christian faith practices that are meant to, if I can can say it really easily and, and succinctly, helping us live in, with, and for Jesus. Right, that these faith practices that we, um, that we talk about, uh, we've talked about two so far. Corporate worship, we've talked about prayer. Today we're going to talk about Bible study. That these, as I just prayed, are not checkboxes. I'm going to just keep reminding you because I don't know, uh, maybe you grew up like I did, maybe you didn't. But this is how I grew up. I grew up that you do these things or else God doesn't like you. You do these things or else you, you, you're bad. Like, it was this either-or proposition, and it wasn't, like, and it just, it, it filled me with so much shame in the journey that actually Christ, see, Christ came to take our shame away. Right? And so all of a sudden, these practices that were meant to lead me into life with, in with, like, to find my identity, that's the in Christ life, right, to find who I am in him. Like, if he's going to rescue me from shame, why would then, if I, I do the checklist of I prayed or didn't pray today, now I'm good or I'm bad, like, it just leads you to the wrong end. That end is my performance. But Jesus, the gift of his freedom for us is that it's not about our performance. It's about him and what he's done for us. A life we have in him. So to pray, I pray to the Lord who has created a relationship, mended the relationship with God, made it right so I could, I could be with the maker, the creator, so you could be with the one who, 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 who put every hair on your head or cut them all off, right? You can laugh. <laughs> I'm losing them, okay? They're going. <laughs> But the with life, that, that, that we know that Jesus, he's made us right before God. None of us have to, to worry. We are righteous. That's the Christian word. We are right before God. That if you were to die today, you don't have to worry. Christ's rightness, his perfection, his purity is gifted to you because of the cross and in his resurrection. But the beauty is that Jesus, also, if we're living today, is going to let some of that finished work he did on the cross do a finishing in us. Right? It's called sanctification. We are sanctified. We're made right. But he's also continuing to work his life out in us. The new creation that we have through the Holy Spirit. God's trying to do in us. Like, so, so again, if reading the Bible today, if I look at it as, man, I better do it or else, or you know what, I did, the, I did my duty for today. Like, I miss the opportunity not only to really know God, we're going to talk about today, enter into his peace, but I'm going to miss the opportunity for God to, to work, work out his new creation in me. And then the for God life through me. That God wants us to partner with him in his work. When we talked 
um, in the first series about what we think, one of, the, one of the weeks we talked about stewardship. And stewardship is actually just utilizing our life because it's not our life, it's God's life given to us for the glory of God, to partner with God, bringing about new, the newness of life in this world. A kingdom that's already here by living in that and out of that we show God's goodness. Right, so these practices... These faith practices not only help us be in relationship with God, they provide a way for us to be formed and shaped in life, and then they help fuel how we live in this world as we're people of good news. So today, we're talking, I mentioned, we're talking about Scripture uh, in Bible study. It, it's, as I was reading this, uh, thinking about it, focused on it, it actually brought me back to uh, just about 19 years ago, um, in, in when I first put together Sam's crib. Sam is my oldest son. He's 18, but he's turning 19 in June. And I remember living on, in a townhouse on 13th Street across from Western Theological Seminary on Hope College's campus. Sorry, Calvin people, but Western is a separate entity from Hope, actually, so that, you know, you, you, can, you can give me a little grace. But we're living on 13th Street. We're upstairs in the townhouse. We're putting together this crib. And I remember Kendra's already asleep, and I walk back into this dark room. I look over this crib, and maybe some of you have been there before, but I have this overwhelming sense of I don't know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> right? I ain't got a clue. <laughs> I'm going to need something more. You know, we were young, married, a bit barely even really married. At what? We were in our second year of marriage. We were still trying to figure out what it looks like to be married, let alone now insert this other third piece and component. What am I going to do? You know, Randy Frazee tells a story of a dad in a similar position with a daughter. And as he held his, his, his first daughter in his arms, he, he looked over at her and he said, you know, my little girl, I'm your daddy. You don't know me really yet. But I'm going to be responsible for leading you and teaching you and showing you God. And little girl, and my little daughter, if I'm going to do that, I better get on stick. I'm going to have to make some changes in my life. One of the changes this father made was to go just seek wisdom, right? And that's the benefit of, I think, the church. One of the benefits of the church are having people in our community who are in a different stage in the journey, amen? Right? And because they're brothers and sisters and they understand um, what we believe and where we are and who God is, like, we can lean into them for a little help. And so he goes to an older man who's raised his children and he says, man, how am I supposed to teach my little girl about God? I don't want to read just what this, this older gentleman said. He says, it's simple. What? <laughs> I didn't think it was simple as I was looking at this crib in a dark room. <laughs> it was, it's simple. You're going to teach her by the kind of man you are. The question is, what will be? What will be and what will determine the kind of man you become? And what's going to determine the kind of man you become. 
right? We're all becoming something. And God in his grace has literally given us the scriptures, right? Given us the scriptures for this journey and given us the scriptures for a journey with him. In order to figure out who we're going to become, we need to figure out who our source of life is, right? We're going to have to figure out what truth we live by, and we're going to have to figure out what's going to guide us, right? If there was a key idea about what we as Christians believe about studying the Bible, why it's important is that first, the Bible is the word, right? Written words about the word, Jesus. That the Bible before anything else is a story about the Son of God who has come to save and reconcile. Not only save and reconcile, but to make right the world. To restore it. To breathe life back into a world that has been broken. And the truth we have then beyond that is uh, we study God's word. What? First, to know God. We believe in the Christian faith that this is a special revelation. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. That God's Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has made sure these words we have are holy and sacred and special that are designed throughout ages. And literally, if you go to scholarship, there has never been a book so trustworthy and reliable, historically speaking, that has ever existed on the face of this earth. Like when we trust history books, we're trusting books that tell stories where there are documents separating this story from over 700 years. And we're like, oh yeah, that's fact. You know, for the Bible, we have documents that are within 100 years of the actual writing. But the Holy Spirit has guided and guarded this word. Why? To point us into a relationship with God. Not only that, but to reveal his truth. And I know we live in a world, and you've heard me say this before, I'm going to say it again. When we live in a world where, the, where the, one of our core principles that exists is your truth and my truth. Right? It's my truth. That's your perspective. The reality about truth is if it's solely dependent on you, then you better be God. But see, that's what happens in life. We think we are. But I don't know about you, I ain't, li- I ain't unlimited. <laughs> I don't have the power to clear a cold that's in my head right now. Like, right? Like, come on. And yet we think my truth trumps everybody else's. Your truth needs to put me in my place. No, 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 no. The Bible, if we actually believe that God exists, is there's a transcendent power that exists in the world that he has truth for us. And that truth will challenge us. Right? It's going to challenge how we view the world. It's going to challenge over these months. You're going to hear me say it. Why? Because I need to remind us we're Christians. Not Republicans or Democrats. Not independents. Right? I'm going to keep us coming back to the kingdom of God. You and I share the same place, the same groundedness. Right? If we go to the the Republican-Democrat thing, we're divided. But let let me tell you this. If we go to the kingdom of God, you and I are united. I don't know about you. That's good news. Anybody, can can you breathe a little bit this morning? Ah, It's okay. 
God has gifted us his eternal kingdom as an eternal God who sits on the throne that's trying to guide us and lead us in his truth, right? Give us some direction in life. But man, we have a secure, unshakable kingdom we are already a part of today that will be eternal. That doesn't have to be, we don't need to live in fear. We don't need to live even going, oh man, I can't sit at you because you are just, you're flying the wrong flag. (laughs) You know, like, how many of us have a choice really in who we got? Like, let's be real. You can vote. Oh, that's, sorry, one little brief squirrel moment. I, I, I listened to a great webinar this week. And it was funny, we were talking about politics and in our spiritual journey, and they just said, you know, you realize the lowest common, like the lowest factor that you play in American politics is actually voting once every four years. That's like the lowest form of political involvement. (laughs) But they went on to say, what you can do today, though, and how you serve your neighbor, oh, guess what? That's involved. The, the way that you engage your, your workplace, oh, that's getting involved. The way that you can, you can um, talk with and go to board meetings and school board meetings, that's getting involved. The way you can participate in your children's lives and your teachers' lives and, and be for, oh, you know what? Oh, that's getting involved, right? Like, there is so much more we can do. And at the same time, it's recognized there's so little that's in my... But here, the beauty is the scriptures are going to tell us that you are people of the kingdom, the scriptures are going are, are gonna to both speak truth, and actually, if you go, hey, I'm neither one of these, it's going to help me rep, uh, go, you know what, there's some wisdom over here. There's some wisdom over in the Republican side. You know what, there's some wisdom over in the Democrat side. What? How can that be? Because that's how God works. He isn't bound by a party. He's the, the Lord of a kingdom. And the scriptures then give us the ability to see truth. And you know what? It also allows us to say, you know what? There's some things over here that aren't right. And there's some things over here that just ain't right. And what you might find out, sorry to tell you this, you might become really conflicted. Because <laughs> you're like, what the heck? Neither one of them's right. <laughs> Amen. And we do what we can to be faithful where we think we're being faithful. But the beauty is we trust in a king who's sitting on his throne, who's leading and guiding, giving us direction. But we can't do that if we don't study the scriptures. Right? We we don't do that if, if we're just trusting the rulers of the age, the tweets on X, the Facebook posts, the five-second blurbs on Instagram. And the only way we find that truth is by diving into God's word. So let's do that. Hebrews 4. We mentioned the end part of this passage last week on prayer. And it serves the same when it comes to the scriptures. That's what's amazing about these things. Is, uh, God's word is just rich. And what we're going to hear is a, it's a double-edged sword. But the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 4, it's towards the end of the Bible. So if you're looking at your Bible, it's this, you're getting to the really skinny portion. Uh, if you're on your phones, it's a lot easier to find it. Scroll tab, Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews 4, though, starting in verse 9. 
Here's God's word for us. He goes, there then remains, right, remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. I'm just going to pause there. The writer of Hebrews, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a place, a shalom rest. There remains a place that has God's peace wrapped in its DNA inside, outside, and all around. So for the people of God, and this wasn't, the writer of Hebrews is saying, this wasn't the promised land Israel. This is something else. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his So let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. I don't know about you. I want to enter the peace of God. I want to enter into his shalom where things are right. Right? I want to enter into a world that doesn't seem so quite messed up. I want to enter into a kingdom that's unshakable, unflappable, that's eternal. That won't be here. Not one that's here today and gone tomorrow or even four years from now. Right, that's shakable. God's is an unshakable kingdom. So, so let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Who's the there? The writer of Hebrews is talking about the Israelites who disobeyed in the wilderness, who heard God's wisdom, but then they doubted it. They pushed back. And in fact, they said, no, I don't believe your story, God. He's like, for them, they didn't get to enter into God's rest. And then we hear this in verse 12. For the word of God is alive and it's active. See, these words that we believe in, you know, it's funny, we, we honor, we, we are more gracious towards Islamic brothers and sisters in this world, right? Because they're one of us. I'm not... I, But we are more gracious in understanding of the Quran and its sacredness to them than we are in understanding the sacredness of this scripture to us. Right? We've gotten so used to the Bible being words on paper, it's been printed like no other book ever, like that it it, it collects collects dust, it props up our monitors on our desk. we, We have lost our sense that this is... God's words to a God's story for us. And I'm not saying don't drop the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about do we actually treat these words as sacred, as holy, as the, the story of God that is like no other. Right? We're going to honor our Jewish brothers and sisters and how they treat the first five books, the Torah. And then how, how that extends out into the prophets and, 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 and what we have as the Old Testament. And we'll go, oh yeah, it's sacred. We would never say anything. Like, yet for us, the scriptures actually tell us this is alive. It's active. And what does it do? Man, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. I don't know about you. There have been times where all of a sudden I'm, I pick up the Bible and I'm reading it. Or I'm picking up a devotional and I'm reading the scriptures in that devotional. And I'm like, whoa, that is speaking to me. Times when maybe you're hearing a pastor speak and go, man, man, holy cow, whoa. 
times where it's, it's called me out. It's challenged me. Times where it's encouraged me. But man, the power of God's word, it cuts to the deepest part of who we are. Why? Because in verse 13 we hear this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Why? It's his creation. God sees all things, knows all things. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes to whom we must give an account. Right? We are responsible for our lives. And yet the good news is this. Much like we talked about with prayer. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, this is why these words exist. This is why they're therefore, right? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet just as we are, he didn't sin. So then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I think about Hebrews 4, the first thing that really grabs my attention is through Christ and his word, we enter into his rest. There is a Sabbath rest for us. Much like with prayer, we get to enter in the peace of Christ. Through God's word, because we're entering the story of God, we have the opportunity to enter into a relationship with God. This isn't about taking a test, folks. Scoring 100 or 65%. I don't know. How many of you have ever taken like one of the social media Bible quizzes just to see if you know anything? And then you, like, if you're like me, how did I get one wrong? <laughs> you know? I got a master's degree in this stuff. You know, like, that's not what it's about. Because of Christ, Jesus is the new promised land. We understand the New Testament. Jesus fulfills everything about Israel and its life for the good, for the good of Israel and for the good of us. Joshua, we're going to hear about him in just a minute. He was, and that's at the start of Hebrews 4. Joshua was leading the people into the promised land, but he didn't realize the promised land that was to come, and that's Jesus and his kingdom. So when we live this life, we have an opportunity, a gift given to us by God to enter into the kingdom. How many of you want to read the Bible now? I had to know Jesus better. The God of the world says, here you go. Here's my story. Come on in. You're welcome into my, you're welcome into my kingdom. Start learning more about it. We get to enter into his rest in the midst of a confusing world, in the midst of a, mo- a world that wants to, to divide. Why? Because that's Satan's MO, to steal, kill, destroy, to divide the people of God. But not only that, the word of God then penetrates to the core of our lives, right? It, it splits, the, it goes to the joints, the marrow, like it gets to the core of our needs. So often we're driving our lives by our feelings, but at the reality, we all have needs. We need to have, be secure. We need to, I, I, I need joy. I need to know that everything's going to be okay. I need to, to feel to, to feel seen and heard and known. I need to know that there's hope um, even though, right? Like, in that needs list just goes on further and further and further. And what the word of God does is goes, let me show you in showing me and my kingdom to you how those needs are met. 
Because oftentimes what sin does is hijacks how we meet those needs. And puts us in, in, in depending on creation rather than the creator for our lives. And the word of God just keeps directing us back to the one who formed our life and also saved our life. And not only saved our life, but is going to keep on forming our lives into his image. Why? Because again, by his grace, we are a new creation. So God's word cuts to the core of our lives. And then it's, as, as Psalm 119 says, it's, it's a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path. How many of you need some wisdom in this world, right? How many of us, you know, whether it's holding over our child, whether it's deciding what job to take, or whether it's determining how we're going to spend the finances we have. We need wisdom, guidance, and direction. If I realize that my truth isn't the end, then I need his truth to help guide me. And God goes, okay, here you go. We have help. This is a grace given to us. God goes, I'm going to let you into my mind. I don't stay hidden. And I'm not going to leave you clueless. Granted, sometimes I may make you wait, wait a little bit. <laughs> but even that will be for your good. Right? The word of God is active. It's alive. At the end of the day, like with prayer, corporate worship, it's about a relationship. Why does the word work in this way? Why and how? I think Paul's pretty clear in 1 Corinthians. I want to invite you to hear this. 1 Corinthians is a few books back from Hebrews in the New Testament, and right, right after Romans. But in 1 Corinthians 2, right, Paul is writing to uh, Corinth, and Corinth is very much like today's United States. If you want a picture of what our country looks like today, you can look at Babylon, you can look at Rome, you can look at Corinth, uh, you can look at Ephesus. <laughs> like, um, all of those pictures, this is what, so the Bible has some wisdom for us. Right, but Paul, he's writing to the, to the church at Corinth, and he says this about the scriptures, God's wisdom for us, and kind of why and how it works in a way it does. Verse 6, he says, we do, however, we speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Okay, among the mature. We want to be mature, he says this, but it's not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. If we were to kind of take out that phrase, the, myst the mystery of God from, from Paul, he would say, simply put, the mystery of God is this, Christ Jesus, and then entering into his kingdom. So that mystery that's been revealed, or that's been hidden, has now come to us. Verse 8. He goes, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Let me ask you this. If Jesus stepped onto any of the platforms for debate, tell me somebody ain't going to try to crucify him. True? It seems like when we look at the leaders, and this is why we have to pray. I'm, I'm not aside, though, from saying, like, our Christian duty to our leaders are to pray for them. Pray for wisdom. Pray for guidance. Pray that God would capture their hearts, be the Lord of their life, that they would be a part of God's. Like, that, we, let's participate every day. 
I would say that's more important than even how you vote. <laughs> is to pray for. But listen. If Jesus stepped on the stage, can't tell me he wouldn't be crucified. If they wanted to crucify him back when he lived, what's any different about today? And Paul would go on to say this. He said, however, as, as it is written, he said, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, Right? These are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. The Bible works because of the spirit of God. Who not only lives with us, but is all around us. And he goes this, he goes on to say, the spirit, spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. Paul says, so in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. So here's the thing. We know the one who knows the mind of God, and it's the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit who inspired the words that we have. Whew. He goes on to say, what we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? So that we may understand what God has freely given us. Right? He hasn't held anything. He's not holding his wisdom back from us. He's not holding himself back from us. And Paul said, this is what we speak. Not a words taught us by human wisdom, but a words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Right? The things of God. So the person without the Spirit, Listen, doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. I don't want to hear it. It's not listening to the Spirit. It's not joining in with the Spirit. And they can't understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Right? If we're going to understand the Word, we need God's help. The one who made it possible means to speak to us. See, this person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. All things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And Paul ends by saying this, but we have the mind of Christ. You want to peer into the mind of Christ. Peer into the word of God. Right? The Holy Spirit is the source of God's words and wisdom about the word. Jesus. And what gives me great comfort every week when I study the scripture, whether I'm writing a devotional for my family, whether I'm sitting doing personal devotions, whether I'm studying to, to, to present another message to you, my brothers and sisters, to encourage you, to challenge you, to aid you in the journey, is that the Holy Spirit's in my corner. It isn't how much money I spent on an education and whether or not I got a degree. And you know what's true? That same spirit that's with me is with you. You know, as I was, uh, some of you know, as I first, when I first came back to Watershed, I was, I was the interim, and I was thinking I was going to end up into kind of non-traditional house church, network church kind of stuff. So really non-traditional stuff. One of the things I learned in that journey, because people are like, oh, well, if you don't have a pastor preaching a message, aren't people going to like 
learn all kinds of bad things about the scripture and like they're going to just get it wrong and you're going to have all kinds of heresy is the word. And you know what they've found globally? That that's not actually true. They have been more true to God's word and to this because they have trusted the spirit that is with them it has actually created greater boundaries that in community as they've read the word together, as they've dove in like with Paul in Acts 17, he, he hung around with these Bereans. And the Bereans, they would, they would actually look at the scriptures they had, listen to what Paul was saying, and they're like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. Let me see. But they were commended for that commitment. Like, they were committed to the word. And, and what they found was what he was saying was true. And you know that, it, that it's not house churches and leaving the word of God in people's hands. This goes back to Martin Luther in the 1500s. Let's make sure God's word gets in everybody's hands. That's not the place where we find heresy. This is. When one dude is standing up going, let me be Jesus for you. Let me be the only wisdom you listen to. Because I have received. Oh, oh it's just a load of crap. <laughs> I don't know everything. I'm learning. Trying to be faithful. But at the end of the day, we're better as a church when all of us are in the Word. We're better as the church in our country when Christians are in the Word. We're better in our communities and in our jobs and in our homes, right? I'm going to be the man that I need to be for my son, my daughter. Because I'm in communion with God. And through the Spirit, He's speaking His truth in His life, and He's directing me and you into life. Right? When we just go, hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm only, you're my fill. And my job is to go, no, let me point you to Jesus who is. Read the Word. And you know, I'm not alone. No, I said in Hebrews, they were talking about Joshua leading into a promised land. Well, guess what? And here's the irony. Like, I, so every week I write a devotional for my family. And this week it was on Joshua 1. I was not thinking about Joshua 1 when I was writing the sermon. So you think that the Holy Spirit's not working? <laughs> and this is a section that I actually chose not to write because I was writing something else that was led on my heart. I mean, this is the beauty of Scripture. You can actually go, oh, here's the truth, and here's the truth, and here's the truth, all in the same story. <laughs> But listen to this bit of Joshua as he's trying to lead the people into the promised land. And think about the fact that we are entering a promised land through the scriptures. Ultimately, that promised land is Jesus and his kingdom. But listen to what God says to Joshua. Like, what are we to do? He says this, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave to you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. He goes on to say, so keep the book of the law, right? The scriptures today that we have, keep it on your lips. 
Let it be what permeates our words. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you're going to be prosperous and and successful. He said, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. If we're going to have strength in this world, if we're going to have courage in this world, we're going to have to need a relationship with Jesus. We're going to need his wisdom. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God, this is what a beautiful truth, will be with you wherever you go. The Bible is a reminder the Lord our God will be with us wherever we go. But are we keeping this in our minds? Keeping it on our tongues? Are we keeping it in our hearts? As Deuteronomy would six, 6 would say, well, we, we thought about it when we rise and when we, we go or we sit. And we talked about it as we, we sit on the couches. And, right, because the opportunity to grow into Christ, his kingdom, and a, and a life that, that lives out his, his joy, his life in the world. And God has gifted us this grace. These words, his story to help us. Are we studying it to know God? To know his truth? For direction in our lives? Eugene Peterson, kind of one of my like spiritual mentors, he wrote the message version of the Bible. The reason why he met, wrote the message version of the Bible is exactly that he, he wants us, like, if I was thinking about Joshua, it's like, Eat this thing, man. <laughs> like, ingest it. Take it into your life. Are you going to understand everything in it? By no means. <laughs> and that's okay. You don't need to be a biblical scholar and know the languages. It's okay. What did I say about our translations? We, have, we can trust so many of the translations we have today because of the work of people like Eugene Peterson who knew those words, knew the culture way better than us, and have spent time to say, we're going to faithfully commit to making it accessible. And all of them, in, if you read the, the writing in the very beginning, are always going to say, and it's going to be with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you this. I know the original language is... And, there are a lot of pretty accurate translations. We can trust it. But he wanted us to eat it because he himself was a man of the word. And he said, man, this was, this was that nourishment for, for living in the kingdom of God that I am a part of today and that I am a part of eternally. It is truth for my life. And in fact, it is, it's essential to my relationship with God. If we're not reading the scripture, folks, we're putting off some access. This isn't a judgment on you. This isn't about salvation. I'm just saying, you're losing access to the holy God. You're missing God wanting to speak his life, wanting to get to know you and be known more. A couple weeks ago when we didn't have church, I, um, for corporate worship, I, I threw out a, a video and then uh, it was in the email afterwards. And I, I love using this um, acronym as a way to just live in the Word. It doesn't take much. It's, it's not complicated. In fact, there's some bookmarks outside these two doors if you want to take it and slide it in your Bible. 
grateful for this tool, and there, there are many more like it. So this is nothing new, nothing under the sun. It's soaps. I could remember it at the time. There are others that are like reaps and like here, and like there's, there's all kinds of good ones, okay? Maybe you got a good one. Go for it. But what I love about this is just saying, you know what? I'm going to read the word today. I'm going to read, and then I'm just going to ask the question when it comes to the scripture, and what's a verse that's standing out? Then I'm going to say, okay, well, what do I notice about this? And what do I observe about this? What, what's it saying? You don't have to try to be, oh, I better get my study Bible and make sure I know exactly. No, 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 no. What's it saying? Just, just go back, put it in your own words. <laughs> if you were to tell it to your children, if you were to tell it to your friend, if you, what's it saying? I think all of us can do that, right? What do you observe? And then what's it mean for your life? Like what, maybe it's just an encouragement today. You know what, I, I think maybe God's just put it on my mind today to, to encourage me. I'm doing something right. <laughs> like sometimes God will actually pat you on the back and say, well done. Sometimes, maybe a little rough. Maybe eye-opening, maybe challenging. How's it apply? What's it meant for my life? And then you know what, because prayer is a conversation, I'm going to talk to God about it. Maybe I need help, Lord, to do this. Or I'm just going to say thank you for being an encouragement to me. Or you know what? I'm going to say, Lord, thank you that you forgive me for this sin that I've identified in my life. Or you know what? You go, man, I've heard this before, and I am tired of the sin, and I'm tired of wrestling with it. Ah! And God goes, yep, I get it. And I still love you. And the final S is just, well, what does it look like to to serve or to share what you've learned, right? Because that's an important part, is being able to share with somebody else. Tell the good, tell the story of God's good news. Tell that, tell people, how will people know if we don't tell the story? Paul says in Romans, share. Again, it doesn't mean that you got to all of a sudden make a convert to Christ. Like, no, 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 I'm just, just share. Hey, you know, I was reading the word today. Hey, you know what? God really put this on my heart today. You know what? I was really challenged by this word today. Or you know what? I'm listening to what you're saying. Um, can, I, can I share something? I mean, it, it's crazy how this connected with me. And it seems to like just put a finger on what you're talking about. I don't know. You need a seminary degree to do that? No. If you struggle to read, you know what? On the Bible apps, now you can make it read for you. Do you need to journal this? Sure, you can journal it half page. That's what I did for an entire year. Half page. Do you have to journal it? No. It's just a help as you dive into that relationship with God. As you seek to enter the peace that is found in him and his kingdom. As you look for direction in your life. Good news is God has given it to us. Will we accept it? Will we let it be a part of us and our journey? Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your word. The grace of it. Lord, thank you that we are part, again, going all the way back to the beginning of the message. Father, that we are part of your kingdom an eternal and unshakable kingdom, a kingdom that endures forever. Lord, in that kingdom, unites us, puts us on common ground. Lord, this morning we could be 
Baltimore Ravens fans. We could be Kansas City Chiefs fans. We could be Lions fans, and yes, we could even be 49er fans. But see, Lord, the fan being fans of teams divides us. And while fun, absolutely, Lord, thank you for the joy of some fun and, and the gifts people have. But the real truth is that we are one in you. No matter what we may be a fan of, Lord, continue to make us the greatest fans of you. Lord, commit our hearts to you, our minds to you. Give us the courage to open up the Bible. It's going to take some courage. It's, it, it's going to take a little discipline. Lord, I pray something as simple as soaps can help people experience your presence more through your truth. But Lord, help us. Help us to be people committed to your word. So that we can test and approve what your will is. Your good, perfect, and pleasing will in this world. And ultimately, God, so we can know you. Thank you for the grace that is your story. Thank you for the Spirit, Holy Spirit, for guarding it and giving it to us. And also for making it real to us. God, you are good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our watershed community or how to support Harderwijk Ministries, please visit us at harderwijk.com.